This is a Culture Inject production. The Nevers Podcast presents Firefly Back in the Skies. Hello, listeners. Welcome back to our retrospective series, Firefly Back in the Skies. I'm Laura. And I'm Tyg. And this week we're watching Trash. Saffron returns with a scheme to steal a rare antique weapon from a wealthy landowner. Unfortunately for Mal, she neglects to mention just how she came across the information required to break into this home. This episode first aired on July 21st, 2003, and features all the usual cast and crew, Plus, the return of Christina Hendricks as Yosef Bridge and Dwyer Brown as Duran Hamer. This episode was written by Ben Edland and directed by Vern Gillum. Interesting fact about this episode, it mostly takes place on the planet of Bellerophon. And for those of you out there that know your Greek mythology, you'll know that his greatest feat was the slaying of the Chimera, a composite creature with the head of a lion, the body of a goat and a tail of a serpent. Not unlike a certain Yosef Bridge. You have to wonder if Whedon was trying to imply that this planet would be the death of Saffron. Yeah, yeah, because like you say, she is a creature made from many parts. Anyway, this uh, show opens in in a desert where naked Mao sits on a rock, staring into the distance, and says to himself, "Yeah, that went well." Um, we then flash back to 72 hours earlier where Mal meets fellow independent soldier turned smuggler Monty. Monty announces that he's gotten married and introduces his lovely new bride, Bridget. As soon as they spot each other, Mal and Bridget pull guns on each other as Bridget turns out to be none other than Mal's nemesis and former wife, Saffron. The two adversaries disarm each other and struggle until a bewildered Monty separates them. Mal tells Monty that Saffron is his wife. Saffron objects and addresses Mal by his full name, to which Monty interjects that he never formally introduced the two, catching Saffron at her betrayal. I have to say, I'm not a huge fan of this episode. It's not kind of in my top 14, but it is definitely one of the best kind of cold opens in the show just like you see Mal sitting there looking like the freaking thinker on his rock completely butt naked and he's like yep that went well like ah oh, Mal ever the optimist you know that didn't go well it's a great great open yeah I think for me as well yeah this is a bit of a apart from a few points in it it's a bit of like a non-episode like it's enjoyable but it's not like super super amazing mm. um but yeah you're right it has its moments so like you get to this episode and you're just like, oh, there's there's naked Mal. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> what what's gone on here? Um, so moving further into our little reintroduction of Saffron, um, the the ship's going off and Monty's cursing over the intercom um, because he's he's stranding Saffron uh, on the drop point with Mal. Uh, and when Mal orders Saffron to start walking away from his scrap of nowhere, Saffron unsuccessfully works her wiles on him, um, then switches to teasing him with a profitable plan, um, uh, planned theft to avoid being stranded on this lifeless piece of crap moon. Oh, Saffron. Yeah, she just can't help herself. There's always an angle. 
it is very um like kind of cringy embarrassing like this episode when she's because obviously you know her now and you know it's all an act so every time she's doing it you're like seriously like Mal's not gonna fall for this crap like it's embarrassing that you're trying this again she has one arrow in her quiver and it's just not gonna land but bless her she keeps trying but yeah there's a little bit more on that later but I think it it very nearly lands at a couple of points because she is very very good at what she does but Mal is just immune to it because he's protected by his secret unspoken love for Inara so later Serenity arrives to pick up Mal and the unloaded cargo the crew is puzzled over Mal's injuries which he refuses to discuss when Inara invites him into her shuttle for tea he rants about her using her feminine wiles to manipulate him Inara gets to the point she wants to conduct her business and applies his implies he is deliberately making it hard for her to find clients as their argument devolves into personal attacks Anara calls him a petty thief and suggests he hasn't been serious about his work lately the scene cuts to Mal in the cargo bay opening one of the loaded crates getting Saffron out for more details on her million square job I've got to say (laughs) for the second time not a huge fan of this episode but massive fan of that scene between Inara and Mal in her shuttle. Like, that is one of the most perfect distillations of the relationship between Mal and Inara we get in the entire series. It does make me laugh that he literally, like, spends half that scene ripping into, like, you know, throwing every bad name possible at her job. And then she casts one petty illusion towards his line of work, and he just fucking crumbles it's like mate you can dish it out but you cannot take it does although a a point could be made that he insults her work but doesn't insult her as we mentioned during uh shindig while she sort of insulted him via his work which is probably why it cuts a bit deeper but still it's like come on man take it on the chin you are kind of a petty thief yeah this whole scene between them is great and it's also really long it's um like one of the longest interactions you see and i guess one of the longest spells we see uh anara get um kind of focused on and it's just really nice and i also want to pick up on um the costumes in this episode um because again like you not like one of my favorite episodes a bit of like you could not watch it if and it wouldn't really do too much damage but yeah everyone seems to have a different kind of costume going on this episode to what they usually wear during the rest of the series especially Mal, Mal you know who uh, <laughs> has a drastic costume change <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> into nothing <laughs> um, but yeah we get to see like Wash in his like orangey boiler suit thing and then um, you get to see Kaylee later on Kaylee later on when she's outside with like this jacket and I'm just kind of like oh there's like all these everyone's wearing different things and then at the end Simon's just wearing jeans and like a fleece and I'm like jeans? What's this about? Yeah that kind of, <laughs> kind of weirded me out I was like why are you not wearing a suit? You, you don't look kind of doctorly stop it it's wrong yeah because they've been like holed up in their room i guess he's wearing like cashewear but i'm like do we see anybody else in this entire show wearing jeans like i was like where why jeans it's almost like he turned up to set that day and they were like yeah you just keep them on (laughs) i wouldn't be surprised if that was what happened to be honest (laughs) yeah i wouldn't be yeah i think there's probably a couple of like a couple of the mudders are wearing jeans or something but it's it's not it's clearly not material that's made it to that part of the verse 
yeah. yeah, it was it kind of, I was just like, jeans? But um, yeah, so I was just noticing. And Anara gets like a couple really nice outfits and then a she couple does. like more like casual outfits that like, I don't know, you've not seen her wear as well. It's kind mm-hmm. of like, um, yeah, it's a, ni- it's a nice episode for um, costumes. I like how, like when, when he opens the crate, like if it's on first watch, you're like, oh, come on, Mal. What have you, why... Come on, dude, why have you brought her onto the ship? Mm. And then obviously later on we realise that um, it wasn't just like a a surprise for everybody, really. So, um, and again, this episode's very heisty, similar to Ariel, where you kind of, they're talking through the plan whilst you're seeing it in action. It's like a very similar type feel uh, as we start here in this next part. So... In the common room, Saffron stands before the crew describing her plan to rob an Alliance laser pistol, the Lassiter, from Durenhamer, a wealthy collector of Earth-that-was artefacts. She claims a remarkable awareness of Hamer's security arrangements, but insists that she needs help to get the weapon off the estate. However, the crew expresses outrage that they're even considering working with her, given her previous attempt to get them all killed and steal their ship. Mal discusses his reasons for his leniency pointedly quoting some of Inara's words in the earlier argument to imply that she's partially responsible for his descent into lunacy. Zoe is sceptical but decides to go with the plan, immediately after delivering a flooring punch to the con artist's chin. Predictable that you really sort of see the punch coming and you have to wonder how your Saffridge doesn't, but still, so, so satisfying. She's like, yeah, you, you hurt my man last time. I'm like, I've been, I've been waiting six months to do this. Suck it. Yeah, I guess the funniest moment in this for me is Wash. Uh, like, he's going to ask a question and Saffron's like, you're probably wondering why I can't just do this myself. And he's just like, why the hell is she on our ship? Yeah, that is a great one. And then they, they kind of just double down. Like, he's like, why is she here? What the hell's going on? And then that kind of gets resolved. And Jane's like, hey, if you've got all the security details, how come you need us? And they're like, yeah, and everyone's good just question, literally like, Jane. You have, to, you have to reckon, since we now know this is all part of Mal's grand plan to get the money and run, do you think they just didn't tell Jane what was going on because they know that A, he's a dumbass and B, he is a little prone to betraying them? Or do you think that was him just kind of playing to his role as the muscle? Um, I think possibly they didn't need to tell him because he just had these little parts to play and I don't think that Saffron would go near him anyway to, <laughs> to try and like <laughs> deceive point. them through him. Um, so yeah, I think maybe he didn't know all the details. But I love um, when Wash comes out with his uh, with his remark. Kaylee literally like bursts into laughter. <laughs> I have a distinct suspicion that was not scripted. She just was like, "Come on, Wash." Oh, Alan. That just happened, yeah. Yeah. There's there's a few points like that where they do something like the reactions, like in, um, I think it's in Ariel, where Mal pulls Kaylee into a hug and he's like, this was a good day. And she's like, oh, and she sort of, she looks a bit shocked. Apparently because that wasn't in the script. Like, um, Nathan Nathan Fillion was just like, he was happy with the scene, so he just did it. And they were like, that looked really funny and genuine. So they left it in, even though it wasn't scripted. So while Jane... Watches over Simon and River, who are just kicking back in their in their bunk, <laughs> being bored. <laughs> He's uh, keeping them out of Saffron's sight. River warns about not trusting Saffron. In private, she tells Simon that Jane has been scared since they visited Ariel. Afraid we'll know, she says. Mm. 
Meanwhile, Wash and Kaylee describe their detailed plans of getting Mal and Saffron in and the antique weapon out, interspersed with a montage of scenes of the activities as they take place. The key to the plan is to dump the collectible pistol into an automated trash disposal unit, which Kaylee will reprogram to take the trash to a remote location where they can pick it up later. Yeah, I do like that scene. It's like usually when they have people explain exactly how the heist's going to play out, it means it's going to fail horribly. I, I think you can kind of you can counter that rule by just having them explain it while the heist is going on. I'm not sure if the the rule still applies if the, the heist is being explained kind of as it happens. I do like the heist setup, but I feel like, yeah, because we'd already seen it in Ariel, I don't know if it's like a little stale in this episode, a bit kind of like... And also because at this point you're not really, you don't really like Saffron, right? I guess from, from this area of the show, the, the most important part is that we're kind of realising that um, now Simon and obviously River already knew, but now Simon knows and River has proceeded to tell him... Um, what Jane did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Everything's going down. It's all going wrong. It's going down. And this is one of the main things, I think, one of the only takes from this episode. Like I said, it can be a pretty non-episode, um, but this is one of the areas where it's like, oh, it delves into that a bit more. And then we know that Simon and, and you know knows about this going on, but still not any of the other crew. Um, but yeah, and I like how that plays out later. Very much so, yeah. But I, I would say, I think you do raise a good point about that this and Errol being a little too similar and kind of a little too close. I think this is one of the rare cases where Fox's restructuring of the airing order actually was probably a good idea. Because obviously, as if you watch it in release order, you have Ariel and then War Stories and then this. It's just, it's a little too close. Whereas in the sort of slightly shitty, generally not a great idea, uh, Fox airing order, you had... Ariel much earlier in the series. I think Ariel was aired eighth and then Trash was aired, like, I think it was the penultimate episode. So you had a good kind of four or five episodes between them, which gave you just a little bit of time to kind of get, kind of forget that these episodes do basically follow almost the exact same layout, which is a little bit interesting for Joss. Usually he's slightly more imaginative with his episode planning. I'm not really sure how he managed to have two such similar episodes so close in the airing order but yeah it's although i must say i do really like i think if it had if if we were in an alternate world where wash and zoe weren't the best couple in the show i like there there is just there is something between wash and kaylee and the way they're kind of the banter between them is excellent like and they're like oh do you want us to explain this part no it was your idea you take it like they would make a cute couple if if he wasn't Married to an Amazon. Oh no, Kaylee's, you know, everyone's sister. She's just the the perfect, like, cute sister of everyone. And they all just look after her. I don't know if I could um I was I was big about Kaylee as well at the end of the episode where we finish up, which is hilarious, but um we'll get to that. Uh <laughs> don't want to skip ahead. But oh I love Kaylee. I just love her. So Mal and Saffron enter the estate without much difficulty, proving correct Saffron's claims about her inside knowledge when Duran rushes to Saffron and embraces her, thanking him for bringing back his wife, Yolanda. Apparently, Yolanda, or Saffron, disappeared six years earlier at the same time an estate worker was killed. Hmm. Mal comically tries to fade into the background, but Saffron insists that Duran compensate Mal. As Duran leaves to get the money... 
Uh, the uneasy partners finish retrieving the pistol, while Mal wonders aloud whether Saffron is actually in love with Durin and whether he might be her real husband. She responds by pulling a weapon on him and insulting him. When Durin arrives in time to observe the disconnect with her story, she tries to backpedal, but Mal tells him the truth about their robbery attempt, while Saffron expresses contempt for Durin. Mal surreptitiously drops the antique in the trash chute. <laughs> I do love that he does does that in the background. Like, yeah, Doop. very slick. <laughs> um, Duran, however, informs his beloved wife that he had notified the authorities the moment he found them in his trophy room. Saffron again demonstrates her erratic nature by switching back to her feminine wiles, but finally ends up knocking his hu- uh, knocking this husband unconscious. As the feds descend on the estate, the two thieves barrel through them and leave in Serenity's shuttle. But there's there's two really great lines in this. Like this particular exchange is very is one of the highlights of the episode. But there's two that really stand out for me. One when she's relaying her terrible, only probably slightly made up story to her husband. He's like, "Oh, I was set upon by these awful men," and then Mal just chips in. He's like, "They weren't me." He's like, "Oh, and they took me and they 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 sold me to slavers." He's like, "Also, not me." It's like, <laughs> dude, Mal, he understands this. Just stay back and let it happen. And then when, uh, yeah, we have to just be very clear. I'm not the bad person here. I'm actually quite nice. And then when Duran goes kind of full Ozymandias and he's like, yes, I have I have alerted the troops. It's, they're on their way. And Mal's like, yeah, I'm, I'm just here to rob you. And he's like, well, thank you for your honesty. Uh, yeah, after he's like, yeah, I appreciate your honesty. Not, you know, a lot, but it's, like, oh, it's just such it's absolute perfect Whedon speak like just like the cadence and the deliveries you could you could see like someone like Xander delivering that line and it just it wouldn't it wouldn't seem out of place in any of Whedon's shows like there is just that that Whedon speak it's like it's it's amazing how much it's, it's informed the way even today like if you watch something like Flash or any of the uh sort of um DC Arrowverse shows like they are so obviously made in the Whedon mould. It's ridiculous that even now, kind of 30 years later, people are still just making Buffy clones and doing incredibly well with them. Meanwhile, Wash has been holding directly, directly under Hamer's estate's trash unit, while Jane retrieves the control unit, and Kaylee reprograms it, clinging to the ship's hull. During the windy EVA, Jane is shocked unconscious, Book drags the mercenary back into Serenity to be treated by Simon. Zoe goes outside to help Kaylee, who barely manages to get the control board plugged in before the automated pickup vehicle comes up behind them and attaches itself to the trash unit. Off it goes, containing within the priceless weapon. Uh, a little bit of tension for the episode there. Like, oh, they're going to get it done in time? Of course they will. It's Kaylee and she's amazing. Anything she sets her mind to, she will achieve, even if it is reprogramming a trash compactor to not set fire to the million square weapon the moment it gets dropped in there yeah i like how this episode is kind of like because usually it's engineering ship parts you know nothing like small scale or or wash has done the small scale stuff kind of up till now like um programming you know alarms and whatever emergency panic buttons for mal to hit um but yeah, this episode, they're like, oh, can you do this? And Kaylee's like, yeah, of course. She's just like, I don't do anything. She's loving it. She's loving this heist. She's yeah. like, yeah, I don't think anyone's too uh, worried when Jane 
<laughs> no. Injures himself. Maybe it'll shock some sense into him. Stop him betraying everyone every chance he freaking gets. I like that, like, Kaylee's like, oh, by the way, <laughs> like, you would have told someone this beforehand, but oh, oh, by the way, don't touch that. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I like how it's all like, um, you know, when someone mentions the trash and you're just like, oh, Star Wars, like with the trash compactor. Yeah. Like, but yeah, this is, this is not that. They're not getting, well, someone might be getting stuck in with some trash, but <laughs> they're just throwing the gun down. Mm. But yeah, it is, um, well, I think it's a well thought plan. However, when they're just hovering underneath the floating uh, private island, I'm kind of like, is nobody else looking like, hey, why is that ship hovering at the bottom of that? Mm. It's all a little bit suspicious. <laughs> other than that, other than that, solid plan. <laughs> So then we see um, Mal's shuttle. So as Mal's shuttle flies uh, toward the rendezvous in Isis Canyon, he continues to explore his theory that Durin was Saffron's true love and original husband. And the con artist seems to break down in contemplation of what she's lost. As Mal regretfully expresses his belief that she'll just go back to being her uh, conniving self, she proves him correct by pulling his own gun on him. Meanwhile, the crew of Serenity find that Saffron has sabotaged the ship's alternators, preventing the ship from manoeuvring. The ship is forced to touch down and won't be able to make the rendezvous. Saffron forces Mal to disrobe and strands him in the desert, leaving him to yell curses at her as she departs in the shuttle. Ah, you're Saffbridge. Will we ever know who you really are? Just how much do you think of that little breakdown of hers was actually real genuine emotion from her because she plays it off as just haha you fell for the crying woman routine you fool you but i mean is she really that good an actor because that seemed pretty genuine to me yeah i think it was genuine because i feel like up until then her cry like her little cries or whatever have all been like clearly fake and just like no real you know when it's like people fake cry and there's no real tears they're, they're just putting it on and it's like whereas this i think she was using that moment to actually feel something. <laughs> um, but then obviously snaps back to to her conniving self and um, just covers that up. But I like how obviously knowing from the end that this was all a plan to outdo her, like, and whether this was part of the plan and Mouse, you know, has sat with her on purpose to... Or whether that was actually just like an accident. Whoops, lost my gun. Like, <laughs> uh, I have a distinct suspicion was like- that was not meant to happen. But Mal is such a kind of, <laughs> you know, sort of white knight. He's like, oh, Softly. she's crying. I have to give her a hug, even though she's probably going to try and shoot me for doing it. I had to sort of try and console her. But I do get a real kind of... Sherlock Holmes and Irene Adler vibe from these two. Like, I think if the show had yeah. gone on and we'd been able to sort of, I have a distinct suspicion that this was like, you know, we would have seen a lot more of Saffron and, you know, found out more of her backstory and gotten, to, she would have been kind of a recurring thorn in the crew's side. Because, like, Mayor Mal is generally a pretty together guy. You know, he, he mostly manages to pull through these situations kind of. 90% unscathed but just whenever Saffron shows up you know he's going to end up getting knocked out or stripped naked or robbed like she's just she's his constant foil and I think it was a really it's kind of a good to have that kind of character in the show just to sort of turn up every so often and absolutely ruin everyone's day it's a lot of fun oh also sets up one of the best lines 
in the whole episode when she you know, when she has a little breakdown and she's you know shows a bit of genuine emotion and Marge looks at her and says I've seen you without your clothes on before I ain't ever seen you naked oh what a line so good seeing someone's uh, similar to the other episode where we were talking about um, where it was like about finding someone's like true self exactly, wasn't it yeah, like yeah. really meeting someone this is like you can see someone completely uh, you know with no clothes on um, but that doesn't necessarily mean you've really seen them naked like you know mm. she'd all her guards were down and you were seeing like her true self kind of thing <clears throat> so moving on at the trash yard Saffron searches through the garbage for the antique laser pistol to her surprise, Inara emerges above her to taunt her with the weapon. She explains that Serenity's crew had been playing Saffron all along, although some of the crew's performances weren't quite as nuanced as they could have been, especially Kaylee and Jane couldn't keep a straight face at their first meeting with Saffron, for example. <laughs> the companion also claims to have been part of the plan all along, knowing that Saffron would get the drop on them somehow and arranging to beat the clever thief at her own game of deception. She remotely closes the garbage container to trap Saffron for the authorities to pick up later. My favourite bit, my favourite bit of this is that Anara, with no second thought, points the gun at her and is like, I wonder if this still works, and shoots. So, like, if that gun was still functioning... She would have just shot and killed her with like, and that's Anara who we've not seen like, you know, in that position of like, so like that is just showing you like how much she despises this person. Like, because for like Anara, Saffron's taken all of the, the knowledge and the training that Anara has had herself and she's using it to hurt not only her friends, but like everybody else. And um, yeah, it's just, mm. it's just not on. It's not classy, you know? It's uh, like part of me wonders, like the, the part of me that wants to think Anara is still nice and wouldn't just straight up murder someone makes me think that she tested the gun before Saffron arrived or something just to make sure it was actually broken. But part of me also thinks like this is the lady that has done terrible things to A, the guy that Anara is clearly in love with and B done as you said has done terrible things with her companion training like she has broken the honor of anara's job which you know, despite everything mal says she does hold quite dear and has done terrible things to the man she will one day settle down with like i i would like to think that anara wouldn't just straight up kill her but uh, the sensible part of me is like yeah she was quite happy to shoot her in the face like she had a backup gun just in case the first one didn't work to finish her off she knew what she was doing and again, I love her costume. It's like so, so classy. And she's just like, you know, because she's in the desert. She needs to be covered up. She needs to be like, you know, she's just sitting waiting. And uh, like, and she's so enjoying. So like in the conversation that they have, uh, that, that Anara and Mal have in the shuttle at the beginning of the episode, where she talks about getting in on a job or like she needs a cut from the job because she's not getting payment from companion stuff because they're not going anywhere that she needs. And, you know, what's her cut? And he's like, oh, you want to get in on, on this? She's like, oh, well, I might as well if I'm not getting any other work. And like here you get to see her now. She has been a part of it, you know, like a real part of, of this job. And she's clearly loving it. Yeah. It's taken. Yeah, it's nice to see. Taken a few episodes, but Mal has finally managed to corrupt her. And like you say, she has to protect her man, right? She does. He, he certainly this girl can't. Done, <laughs> this girl uh, gone done him wrong. Mm. She deserves it. 
<laughs> and she just locks just like locks her up in the trash. It's funny because it's like um the companion training that she's had she should be like living this or could be living this like quite nice high regarded life like Anara, right? Mm. And he said she's choosing to go and like do everyone dirty and now she's, you know, made her own bed of trash. Um kind of where she belongs. Uh so it's quite it's quite poetic. <laughs> so after all that debacle, we uh come to the infirmary and oh this is this is a good part. So in the infirmary, Jane awakens to find himself paralyzed. When Jane asks if he will be okay, the doctor calmly asks him how much he was offered to hand over the Tams to the Alliance. He surprises the mercenary by promising So I want you to understand one thing very clearly. No matter what you do or say or plot no matter how you come down on us. I will never, ever harm you. You're on this table, you're safe. So I'm your medic. After the good hide doctor leaves, River peeks into the, um, in to tell the wounded man, also, I can kill you with my brain. <laughs> <laughs> what a great scene. Uh, iconic line right there. One of the best lines <laughs> in the whole series. But, but is it just me? I swear that's the most Simon has ever said in one go in the entirety. Like that's the longest monologue Simon has had in the show, um, except for possibly in Ariel, where he's talking about what they've done to River. Yeah, I was going to say it's either when he's giving the speech or talking about the heist in Ariel, or possibly in Safe. I think he did have quite a lot of dialogue. Oh yeah, true. But, I forgot about that. But yeah, but. It, this was quite a this is a moment where it's like really just him wasn't it like it's him and just Jane and then obviously River outside the door but it's really great to see because it's like so when Jane gets brought back onto the ship Simon's like oh I'll take care of him and it's like that he gives that look of evilness like oh no what's he gonna do um because he's obviously just spoke to River and has found out what 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 he did and then you see this and it's great because me initially when he's almost threatening him you know where i'm thinking oh he's going to say i i'm i'm not going to hurt you because i'm a doctor and that's my oath and and that's what he does and it's like ah oh, great good old simon um because yeah he's you know a part of the crew and regardless of whether he doesn't like him or not he's the doctor and it's his job to take care of everyone right regardless of of what they've done and it's nice to see that already we'd hoped that in Jane's brain he's not going to betray any of them again. But I think this, and we seem to have thought that he starts caring about them. And I think this, you know, reinforces that and really nails that in because to see that someone who clearly hates him or doesn't like him still care about him, you're hoping that Jane's like, oh, I will do the same <laughs> in return. It's interesting to hear Simon dropped that line about kind of, you know, I'm the doctor, whatever happens, I'll patch you up. Because it really is kind of coming full circle from, it was either, it was either safe or the pilot, I can't remember exactly which one. But where, when Simon is talking to Mal and he's like, why didn't you just, you know, leave us there? Why don't you just, you know, shoot us in the back and dump us? And he's like, you're my crew. As long as you're on the crew, you're safe. And he, and he, he seems kind of a bit confused when, when Mal says that to me. He's like, but that, I don't get it. Why, why would, why does that matter? And now, all these episodes later, we see he's on the other side of that conversation and he's saying to Jane, look, fuck us over as much as you like. When you're on that table, 
like I am your doctor you are my patient I will always look after you and he's like hey he finally gets it he's finally part of the crew for real it's a nice kind of it's a nice moment in his I wouldn't say growth because it's probably more in the opposite direction but a nice moment in his fall into the world of crime he's like alright fuck it I'm, I'm officially the criminal doctor now no matter what happens I'll patch you up because you're a dickhead but you're a useful member of the crew so sod it I'll keep you alive just try not to stab me in the back too many times because then I won't be able to operate on you. But obviously the person that Jane is really scared of is River. <laughs> Understandable. And she, re- and she loves, she's lo- she's loving it, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's literally like, also, I can kill you with my brain. <laughs> and you just know he's so afraid of her. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's, oh, it's such a great way. Like, so, yes, like Simon's got got Jane there at his mercy, and Jane's like, uh, "Is anyone there?" And you just see this little head poke <laughs> around the corner, like a maniacal fucking goblin. Like, "Yes, I'm here." He's like, "Anyone else? <laughs> you're, you're worse than he is." <laughs> oh, so good. It's like the, the only two people on the whole crew that Jane's freaking scared of, and it's the two people yeah. that look the most kind of unassuming: <laughs> the doctor and the yeah. patient, I suppose. Yeah, later, Serenity makes it to Mal's location, where Mal remarks, that went well, bringing us full circle to the opening scene. Anara and Mal trade some quips about Mal's plan, while Wash and Zoe look on, awkwardly stunned, as Mal cheerfully re-enters Serenity, sans clothing, and muses unselfconsciously about the success of their heist, which seems to offer a rosier financial future than before. Yeah... He was he was not hiding anything in that scene. The hands were firmly behind the head and the clothes was very much missing. You know when you're like, um, did he have any kind of modesty thong or cup on or was he just like, no, it's fine, I'll just be naked, I'm happy. And everyone, I, the look on people's faces. Okay, so first of all, I love how Inara, character-wise, not phased. She's seen more naked people then you can tell and you know don't phase her she's just straight up having a very normal conversation with him while he's standing they're completely naked it's brilliant i love it um zoe leaves with wash just kind of like not probably bothered but um kaylee is also just straight up happy to just stand there and have a conversation with him like yeah this is normal (laughs) it's brilliant uh yeah it was it's a great end scene and then obviously he's just him and his him and his serenity, and he's just standing and taking in the world. Very much so, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're much richer. He's very happy. They succeeded and, you know, clothes or no clothes, uh, Mal came out on top. <laughs> Small price to pay. Great way to end the episode. Like I say, full circle, here's Naked Mal. <laughs> Back to Naked Mal. It's nice to see the guys getting some skin time because, you know, a lot of TV shows, it's like, here's loads of naked women and... Yeah, I mean, overall in this episode, funny moments, some good moments with Simon and River and Anara and Mal. But overall, like I say, it feels like it's a bit of a, a little bit of a non-episode. Enjoyable. Um, I don't think it's as enjoyable as some of the other episodes that are mm. kind of like forgettable. But um, obviously overall in the show, still still a good watch. Yeah. I'd say this, this is very much... The episode of the supporting character. Like, Mal and Anara have their little scene in the shuttle, and that's fantastic. But the rest of the episode is very much about kind of the tangential character. Like, it's a great episode for Saffron. She gets to have some real great development. We take what was a kind of 
it could easily have been a throwaway character just just used in our mrs reynolds and then disappearing forever brings her back gives her a load of new depth like she's got a backstory now she has about six different names she becomes she goes from being just like the one-time villain to being a real foil for mal that can hopefully reoccur a bunch of times and constantly screw them over simon gets his big badass i'm the doctor speech always great like it's it's, a, it's an episode where a lot of people that aren't really given a chance to shine get a chance to shine and that's great but on the whole much like its partner ariel that's a very similar episode like it's still a good episode but it's not as good as the episodes that surround it so it's it feels a little bit lesser in comparison but again a bad episode of Firefly, as we said before, is still better than a good episode of most other shows. So it's not. Yes. I, I, watching it now, I wasn't bored rewatching it for for our sort of you know, before when I was preparing for this. But it's like it's not an episode I'd really look forward to when I do my Firefly rewatches. It's an episode that's just it's very much just there. It has a couple of really iconic lines. The whole "I can kill you with my mind," you know, that's that's it's it's in the law now it's an amazing one of the most quoted lines from the whole series but yeah it's very much, very much an episode that's carried by a few small great scenes and then has a lot of nonsense <laughs> strung between them yeah so it's it's not great but it's not terrible and in terms of like f- uh favorite lines i feel like i'm gonna have to go with just the like most random uh chin wig <laughs> <laughs> It got me. I was like, I like that. That's funny. <laughs> uh, and, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I've seen you naked. I mean, I've seen you without your clothes, but I've never seen you naked. That's a brilliant line. You can't yeah. follow that. Oh, oh we're, near, we're nearing the end of Firefly. This is, I know. know. What are we going to do? Sad times. Do you know what? I only watched Dollhouse, yeah, last year <sighs> at the start of lockdown, but I, I could definitely watch that again. I love that show so much. So, yeah. It's so good. Any excuse. Yeah, and I feel like it's one of the shows that's like it's probably the the Whedon show that's watched and liked the least. Absolutely, um, yeah. which is a shame. So maybe mm. we can get everybody to watch it. I, I would love <laughs> that. I mean, we, yeah, we we uh we went over it in the past, and I was I was a huge. I really can can't stress how much I love. Like I know it's considering we're on a show about Firefly, probably not the best place to mention it. But if I could bring back one Whedon show to get more seasons. It, I would pick Dollhouse over Firefly just because that's not I love necessarily, the world. Yeah, I was just going to say, not necessarily because it's like the favourite of my Whedon shows, but because I feel like the Firefly that we have, while everyone would love more, I think it's like it's perfect as it is. Mm. Like, and it would, I, I would hate for it to be spoiled. Yeah. Whereas Dollhouse, I think, had... Um, had a lot more in it uh the, you know it, it it rounded off very nicely but it could have been more seasons and still rounded off to the same place and they would have been able to do so much great stuff within it mm. um they could have really really padded it out it, again it's like i love it as it is and i i love that it got to finish unlike firefly yeah and that's the thing with firefly isn't it, it like didn't have yeah didn't have an end but also where where do you end it like you want these characters to travel the verse forever and enjoy themselves and and live their lives that you there's never going to be a definitive i don't know if you'd want like a definitive end you just want their journey to continue it feels like if we'd got more firefly 
it probably just would have been more of the same and that's not a bad thing because what we got was amazing but it would have been mm. more heists more hijinks more space exploration and that's great maybe a bit of alliance law some background for book but I mean, we got yeah. we got background for book in the comics. It's a great comic. If you haven't read it, yeah. Shepherd's Story or Shepherd's Tale, check it out. Well worth the read. But with Dollhouse, we got kind of the second season and we got the weird kind of two-parter future flashback nonsense. <laughs> and it's like we just got this kind of skeleton. And it's like, yeah, it's it's good. And it's you know, it's it does wrap up most of the threads. But it is just like, it's, it's a skeleton of what we could have had if Joss had been given mm. his full five season arc. Like, he had this really amazing story he wanted to tell. And I'm like, yeah, great, you've got five seasons. Well, now you've got two and a movie. Sorry, wrap it up, you can do it. It's like, <laughs> like watching the second season through again recently, it's good, but it really feels kind of, it's at like a 30%. We could have had 100 if he'd been given the time to fully execute mm. his vision the way he wanted to. And like it, it's yeah. good, but it's just, it's a, it makes me a little sad watching it because, it, it, especially if, even if you watch the, the two-part kind of wrap-up movie thing, there's kind of elements there that you could tell he wanted to expand upon that he doesn't get the chance to that I think could have been really amazing. And when you look at like shows on right now, you look at things like Westworld, that Westworld is basically telling the story that Dollhouse told freaking like what 10, 20 years ago. And you have to wonder if Dollhouse was made now... Well, maybe not now, but if, if yeah. Dollhouse had been made five years ago, could it have like had that level of success and you know, that level of backing if it had been made by someone like HBO now? Yeah, I do think so. It does, yeah, because like season two for me, like, uh, the, my favourite parts are like uh, the Topher Sierra <sighs> episode. They're so, so good. good. And like for me, Topher's arc and like Journey... I mean, he's my favourite character. I oh, love yeah. him to pieces. Um, just that alone makes it such an incredible show. Um, and all the characters have such a good journey. And, you know, you never know, like, where they're going to start and end and how they're going to end up. Mm. And then, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Just, like, Boyd. I can't even. Oh. I can't even. Oh. I watch, right, spo- spoilers, semi, uh, if you haven't watched it just warning um like i watched dollhouse especially the first season and all i do is i'm like oh good old boyd good old boyd every episode i'm like good old boyd he's a good and and then like my entire life was smashed to pieces yep. I, was like, <laughs> I love that actor but i've seen him in a lot of he's so good. i've seen him in a lot of things where he plays very similar characters like he's in that playing boyd and then he's in uh blacklist playing like the head of the the FBI group that run Reddington. And it's like, he he plays that kind of solid, dependable agent really well. And then you get to that episode and you're just like, what the fuck have I just seen? How did that happen? Why did that happen? Fuck you, Joss. I hate you, but I love you because wow. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> and yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's more Amy you- and I'm, I'm, I will never say no to more Amy Acker. Yeah, why is... I always wonder, like, these are actors who are are general kind of underdogs, you know, not in, like, huge, huge, big things. And it's crazy because they're fantastic. And you think, why have they not been picked up for, like, crazy awesome stuff? 
Um, yeah, it's weird because you watch like really huge movies. Um, I've not watched it, Eternals, but I've heard that everyone in it gives subpar performances and it's really bland and kind of like, and you just think, hmm, you know, sometimes why cast like a big name in something when you can find a better actor who might not be as well known? And it's kind of like some, I guess some actors make it. Alan Tudyk's doing great. But again, really only if you're kind of in the nerd scene. Like if you're not, you don't know really who Alan Tudyk is. And then um, I guess the biggest kind of rise to fame from something kind of nerdy is Jason Momoa. Because for me, he's that guy from Stargate who plays Ronan and he's amazing. And he's like the greatest character in that show. And he gets to act for the incredible Jewel State. And, you know... Now everybody's just like, oh, that's that Aquaman dude. Uh, I'm like, oh, yeah, but like, you know, if you watch Stargate, nah, oh, well, <laughs> he's really good in it, you know? <laughs> but yeah, Amy Ack is amazing. But um, yeah, we'll be uh, watching another episode of Firefly next week. Yeah, and we will. Doing a, in a couple of weeks for you to do another episode. And uh, we hope that you're watching and enjoying it again too with us. We'd like to thank all of our listeners because it's awesome that you guys come in and listen to our show. Um, if you'd like to send your letters in and join our discussion or just, you know, ask us questions or get into our random chats that we get into, uh, you can send those to fireflybits at gmail.com, which is, again, fireflybits at gmail.com. Next episode, we will be watching The Message. A former independent soldier who served with Mal and Zoe returns in a dramatic manner with a vicious, with a vicious alliance officer chasing after him for some unusual smuggled goods. Also features the best hat in fiction. <laughs> I'm looking at it now. It's on my Terminator head. Ah, so um, jealous. It's a good hat. Yeah, I love it. This episode is... Well, okay. So obviously... I've forgotten his real name, but he plays Knox. Yeah. Um, That's a sore spot because it just makes me sad even thinking about it. I can't even, uh, I can't even deal with thinking about how much I hate Knox. Yeah. Yeah. He's great. He reminds me of a young Bill Murray. He (laughs) has the same voice. He has the like exact same way in which he speaks as as literally Bill Murray. Oh my God. Um, Yeah. Seriously. You won't unsee that now. Thanks. (laughs) <laughs> be like oh yeah it's bill murray <laughs> it's funny isn't it how certain people have like the same mannerisms and the way in which they kind of like act or speak you know how like i know they're brothers but if you were just listening to a movie you wouldn't know if it was like jeff or Bo bridges yeah. until you turn around and they like completely different aren't they yeah. <laughs> pose like little and pudgy and jeff is like really tall and quite dashing and it's just like but they have the exact same very very awesome voice <laughs> yeah anyway we'll look forward to next episode and i'll have to wear my hat while we record it not that you'll see but <laughs> well no it's fine we'll be able to hear it in your voice just <laughs> yeah so thank you again for listening and we will see you next time on firefly back in the skies bye mm-hmm.